Hey everyone, it's Arnold with Horn Welcome. Happy Saturday to everybody. I think there's a lot of reasons to be celebrating today. It's a, pr- it's a, pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty good day. Um, another reason to be celebrating is actually today is the one month mark since the launch of this company that I'll be talking about called Lunar, which is a hard seltzer company by two Asian Americans, Sean and Kevin, two friends, college friends, that decided to start this business in the middle of a pandemic. And all kudos to them, honestly. And their story is filled with friendship, experimentation out of the Brooklyn apartments, you know, Reddit forums, Googling for answers, true, true resiliency and just, you know, that kind of startup, bootstrap startup story. And really awesome guys and really great stories too about why they started this company. And I'm really happy to share this conversation in in, in the early phase of their company because I know they're going to do really well. Um, so again, I hope uh, everyone is celebrating safely and who knows, I think Lunar is another great way to celebrate too. So um, without further ado, this is my conversation with Sean and Kevin, the first time I've interviewed two people simultaneously and I'll circle back with you guys at the end. You know, we both met not in Maryland, where we both grew up. You know, we both went to rival high schools in Montgomery County. Uh, I went to Wooten, and he went to Churchill. So just down the road from each other. Um, but yeah, we didn't even know each other back then. Um, we had like a lot of mutual friends. Upon first, you know, when, when we met, Sean and I definitely did the old Facebook stalking. It's like, wow, like, you know, like so-and-so. And there's like, you know, 50 or 60 mutual friends. But we, you know, we both went to uh, University of Virginia. And for some reason, we both decided that taking calculus three, uh, multivariable calculus, was like the thing we should do as a first semester freshman. Uh, not really sure why, given that neither of us majored in math. <laughs> Sean, I don't know if you, have, you, you know why you did, but I have no idea why I did that. I definitely did not. Uh, first of all, shouts to Kevin McCrimmon, Professor McCrimmon. Really had, did not enjoy teaching that class. My man did not want to be there. But he was the nicest guy. But you could tell he just did not want to be there. It's a miracle we, we, we passed that class, man. I think neither of us wanted to be there either. But we would sit in the back uh, and, you know, somehow we just uh, started chatting. And that's how Sean and I met. You know, and in fact, this year has, is our 11th anniversary, uh, according to Facebook. So it's like we're practically married at this point. So you guys became better friends, obviously, obviously at college. College is, you know, college is really great. And both of us were really involved in kind of the Asian American uh, orgs, right? The CSAs, the TSAs, the KSAs of, you know, of college. So that's kind of primarily where we hung out and, and you know, got to party, drink, meet other people. Um, but that was kind of like the basis of our friendship uh, growing up. And, you know, you know, well, I'm sure we'll get into this later, but you know, I came straight to New York after graduating and he followed suit shortly after and kind of just picked up where we left off, honestly. Uh, and now that we're a little bit older, maybe a little bit, maybe less uh, wild nights in K-Town now, but definitely earlier in our New York City careers, we were definitely partying a lot more. Question, why did you move to New York at the time? Was it, was it for a job opportunity or? I started my career uh, in finance. Just this is what, you know, most uh, Asian parents would be like, oh, yeah, doctor, you know, banker, lawyer. And so I chose I chose banker because that's kind of what everyone else is doing, too. Um, so I came to New York right after graduating to do iBanking at JP Morgan. 
And then I quit super fast. Uh, I quit exactly one year afterwards uh, to go to a tech startup to do corporate strategy. So that was my kind of career path, so to speak. And for, for you, Sean, what, what led you to move to New York? Was it just to, just to follow Kevin or <laughs> what, was the, what was the reasoning there? It is actually kind of happenstance. Um, so fun fact is I, I moved. So up until the summer before I moved, I always swore to myself that I would never, ever, ever move to New York. And it was because I think part of it is, you know, growing up in D.C., I had been to New York, let's call it like maybe five times in my life up until that point. But every time it is, you know, the following circumstances were always met is one, it was with my family. Two, I was underage. Three, we'd always go to the most touristy spots. And four, we would always drive. It was like the perfect storm. And, you know, no wonder we're trying to get through Times Square in the middle of like 4th of July weekend. It's like, yeah, no wonder I had a terrible time. Uh, but it, was, it wasn't until actually, um, you know, when I was in grad school uh, at, at, the Car- at Carnegie Mellon, uh, it was a one-year grad school program, which I went right into after undergrad because I didn't want to adult just quite yet. And I was looking at, uh, and I studied human computer interaction, which I guess is like academia term for product design or software design or UX design. So the vast majority of my friends and cohorts were obviously looking at San Francisco. Uh, but for me, I did want to be a little bit closer to family. Obviously, I wanted to be far enough from family, which is why DC wasn't at the top of the list. Uh, but I wanted to be somewhat an earshot, right? If God forbid something happens, or at least for the holidays, it's much easier and more convenient to go home. So I figured, okay, maybe New York's not bad. Uh, and then also, I was more interested in design agencies or consultancies where it's a very much you approach a particular problem and you do a bunch of your homework, figure out a whiz bang solution uh, and be able to offer all that up and, you know, profit. Everyone lives happily after after and whatnot. Uh, and a lot of those were based uh, in New York. So for those two reasons, I said, OK, fine, I'll get I'll, I'll check it out at least. So what I ended up doing is, you know, uh, after after graduating, uh, I would. I took some time off because it was an intense 12 month program. But while I was doing that, I was always still interviewing, but I would always come up to New York. Uh, you know, I would schedule my interviews like either on a Friday afternoon or a Monday morning. And then I just come on Friday and spend the weekend yucking it up, you know, with Kevin and the rest of our kind of friend crew that we had uh, at the time. And that's when I started to realize, Hey, this New York place isn't that bad. It's actually kind of fun. You know, it's not it's not like super crowded and dense, like Times Square everywhere, you know, because I was I was going to places that actually locals, you know, go to hang out and live and stuff like that. So that's my, you know, full 180 story on New York. Uh, and obviously, you know, been in love ever since. I want to fast forward a little bit because right now on my desk in front of me is a can of Lunar Hard Seltzer, Yuzu flavor. I want to hear all about that apartment brewing. First of all, like how did this build up this idea that you guys want to do a hard seltzer uh, product company together? How did that formulate? I know this has been a few years in the making too. So to talk to me a little bit about the origin story of Lunar. You know, Sean and I have been thinking about starting a business together uh, for almost a decade. And so it was more than like, we already decided that we're going to do, start something together. It was just a question was like, what exactly were we going to do? And, you know, over the past maybe seven years, eight years, we've been tossing around all these ideas. 
you know, we've, we even participated in a hackathon uh, or a few hackathons around five or six years ago, Sean, if you remember that, that was rough. But we have this Trello board that's filled with all of these different ideas. And on that board, one of the boards that has the most cards is titled East Meets West. And it's got tons of ideas on there, right? And we've, we've been thinking about this intersection, this concept uh, for a long time. And so maybe it's no coincidence that, you know, where we landed with Lunar is kind of the perhaps fate, right? That we landed upon this concept in February, 2019. So more than a year and a half ago, uh, Sean and I were grabbing a late night meal at Barkogi in Midtown East. So right around the corner of Sean's apartment. And, you know, we see some Korean fried chicken and we wanted to get like a nightcap. And so we looked at the drink menu and that's when we were like, wait, I don't know if it was me or Sean. One of us asked the question, you know, how come it's just Bud Light here? Like, why isn't there a drink with flavors we like? And like, that was the question that really sparked everything. Um, and that was, that was really the genesis that night. You know, the next morning, you know, we wake up, hung over, and we're like, let, let us uh, capitalize and, and figure out, can we do something more with that, what we did, and this idea that came to fruition yesterday night at like 2 a.m.? So that was the honestly the real the real beginning, and neither of us right we're both from primarily the tech industry, so neither of us have experience in you know brewing alcohol or the beverage industry as a whole, and you know so in the beginning we didn't even know that we wanted to make a hard seltzer, right that wasn't that didn't cross our mind we were just trying to make and figure out how to make something delicious that would satisfy that question of like how come there isn't a drink with flavors we like, so. Yeah, at the time I lived in East Village in a studio apartment. Sean lives in Midtown East in his studio apartment. And yeah, we spent 2019 honestly learning how to brew. And, you know, a lot of this was YouTube, uh, watching tutorials, Googling, buying lots of equipment. I mean, even to this day, right? Sean's apartment, my apartment now, it's just filled with kegs and CO2 tanks and all this like brewing equipment that's just taking up space. Um, you know, I'm sure. Uh, Sean's girlfriend isn't super happy with that. Neither is my girlfriend. <laughs> we only have so much space in the place. 2019 was a big year of learning and experimentation. And throughout this experimentation, right, this, this is how we landed upon making a hard seltzer. And this is right before uh, White Claw kind of took the world by storm, uh, summer of 2019. You know, we, we had been thinking about brewing some beers and then we're like, hey, how about this, this hard seltzer thing? Um, and of course, you know, White Claw and Truly and Bodenviv, we're not gonna publish the recipe online. And so we had to figure it out through basically a lot of experimentation, a lot of Googling, you know, searching on Reddit, asking questions on Reddit, uh, homebrew forums even. And, you know, we ended up making, we have, we have a doc of every single recipe we've ever tried, right? Just to, in the spirit of science. And so we've tested over a hundred recipe iterations. We've tried, a lot of them just ourselves because they tasted pretty bad and we weren't confident that these would be safe to drink. Uh, and then later when we got better and you kind of knew what we were doing, then started testing them with friends. And at the end of the day, you know, it took us a long time to finally get to a recipe where we were both like, you know what, this one gets a stamp of approval because creating something delicious that we personally both drink all the time was at the end of the day, the most important thing for us. And you know, yes, neither of us have experience brewing, but if it's one thing we're confident in, it's that we both have years of experience drinking. So that's the, that's the 2019 story of how we basically went from not knowing anything to 
brewing a recipe. I don't know, Sean, do you have any thoughts? So Kevin, Kevin covers most of it, but I think the only other thing that I want to add is I think at the time what we also observed is, you know, this is right after Crazy Rich Asians had, you know, taken the world by storm, really. Uh, and and we saw Asian representation as something that not only, like obviously everyone had wanted, but something that the community was starting to speak up about, right? Um, and this is also when the uh, Subtle Asian Traits Facebook uh, community also, you know, you know took the world by storm as well. And I think, you know, we tried to connect the dots here, just like, you know, we really think that obviously we're partial to this, uh, to this concept and having alcohol and, and beverages and drinks that uh, are representative of the memories and, and the culture that we identify with. But, you know, what we also saw is that, you know, we really feel like the rest of the world does too. Um, and I think in some sense, there's a little bit of stars aligning and from a timing perspective too. Uh, and I think, and I think that really, really uh, is an important part as well. And I know I've asked you guys this before when we, when we first spoke, but um, I would, I would definitely spend some time on the name lunar too. And why you guys decided on lunar. We really wanted this to be a beverage that is something that, you know, folks in the Asian American community can be really proud and excited uh, to be seen drinking, right? Either with their, you know, Asian, Asian friends or not, um, you know, in the world. And in some sense, the way I think the way we've been describing it or encapsulating is we wanted to create like the reverse lunchbox moment of an experience. Um, and for that, you know, it was a very difficult and gray area and, and a delicate balance of, you know, how do, how do you keep it authentic to the origin, so to speak, but also relevant to the modern day audience and conversations. So I think one, you know, one thing that we fairly, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're strongly believing in is we, we wanted to create a unifying brand. And what I mean by that is a brand that, brings people together, right? People of Japanese descent, of Korean descent, of, you know, Vietnamese descent or what have you, uh, instead of being divisive, uh, because there's that element and, you know, uh, balance to strike as well. So we, sh you know, that we, with that goal in mind, we started brainstorming. And I think that also was a spreadsheet of Lord knows how many, you know, rows and ideas that we threw on there. But uh, I think eventually, you know, we, we kind of came to the observation of like, hey, like a lot of the cultures here are, you know, the moon is a central figure of the culture, right? And hence the, the lunar new year and the lunar calendar being a thing, uh, you know, throughout. So we kind of threw out lunar and we, we, we liked the succinctness of it, right? And we liked how it uh, encapsulates, uh, again, the unifying and the commonalities of a lot of the communities and the cultures that we want to help represent and be a platform for, but also it's something that isn't like overtly Asian, right? Not like the, the, the Chinese restaurants in middle America, that's like, you know, red Panda or what have you, uh, nothing to, um, nothing that seems like <laughs> is too ignorant for lack of a better phrase. Uh, but also still helps, you know, the, the, the American audience or the non-Asian audience understand of something is like, Oh, I think, it's like loosely associated with, uh, you know, Asian American culture enough that they would recognize it as. And I mean, since we're on the topic of the name, I mean, and, and I have the can in front of me, I want to go a little bit deeper to the branding and the packaging. Cause I think that's one thing that I really appreciate about the product is how it looks, looks great. My question to you, the lunar type, like the logo mark, is that a Korean like shoot 
for the A that you put in there? And then does the N also, is that another like character in another language or? So the, the A is a, what I like to call a triple entendre. It is not only the Korean shiut or the S obviously character, but it is also the Chinese Ren because uh, they are kind of in, in form wise, they're very similar. Uh, the N isn't necessarily a character, although uh, now I wish I could say <laughs> we did, but it wasn't. It was more stylistic. Um, I will say, you know, we gave the N a little bit more of a modern flair and a sharper look to it to keep up and make it a little bit more modern to balance out the quote unquote traditional uh, A uh, of, the, of the logo there. Okay, cool. And then the copywriting is awesome. I, I told you guys this already, but Asian Americana and I can't, I hope that's uh, being trademarked as we speak. Cause that's, that's awesome. But talk to me about the copyright the, with that slogan that you have going on. And then there's another hashtag that you guys have been pushing out. Uh, I think it's, this is home. So, so talk to me a little bit about the significance there. You know, going consistent with the theme that I was talking about just earlier. Now it's, you know, we wanted to create something that's unifying and relatable for folks, you know, of immigrant families or immigrant childs of Asian descent, you know, in America or the Western world. Right. And I think, I think I was, it was, uh, I forget the Jay-Z song, but the, I think it was, you know, this is throne song where Jay-Z has a line of like a piece of Americana and, you know, and he's talking about his grandmother's pecan pie or something. Right. And I was like, uh, and you know, the classic, you know, def, you know, definition of, of Americana of like baseball, you know, apple pie or pecan pie and all that things. And I was like, wait, but there's a, you know, th there's a, a similar equivalent symbol and like represent representative things of the Asian immigrant family too, right? The whole like having to tell people to take your shoes off when you have visitors, right? The whole, the lunchbox moment is a big part of that, right? You know, being able to, ha you know, having to translate for your parents, you know, on any phone calls or legal documents, like those are exactly, those are all parts that, you know, we felt like is more common than you think, right? Uh, so, so those are, you know, we wanted to capture all of those different uh, slices of Americana or different type of Americana or what we call Asian Americana. And we wanted to put that in a can, right? And I think, you know, that's, that's what we're really striving to do here. And in terms of the hashtags, you know, this is home being, we wanted to play off of this you know, notion of, you know, the whole, your home is where your heart is. And, and I think for a lot of folks in the Asian American community, and at least, at least maybe I'll speak for myself uh, and, and Kevin and the team here, but, you know, we really felt like, you know, it's sometimes funny, right? We feel like we have multiple homes or at least in my personal experience, like, you know, I still have family in Korea, but it was starting maybe four or five years ago. I used to go fairly often, but, you know, when I, when I went two or three years ago, it was the first time it just didn't feel like home. Right. Even though it's the same home that I grew up in, you know, when I was you know, five to 10 or in grade school, it's the same neighborhood. I go frequently enough and, you know, we still see this, the same relatives and whatnot. But it was like one day I was in the subway there uh, and I think I was going to I forget where I was headed, but I was in the subway and I look around and it's just like everyone looks like me, but at the same time doesn't. Right. You know, there's there's really subtle nuances that. Uh, means something different, right? And and I think that was the first time where I felt like, oh, maybe maybe, maybe Korea does, isn't really home to me, at least in this current form. And bringing it back to 
you know, the, the, the story here, which is, you know, we felt like this whole notion of where you are, you know, this notion of the Asian Americana, right. The whole, the entire experience that, that is at least our home and that's my home. Right. Maybe feeling sometimes a little bit out of place when you go back to your mother country, maybe that's a part of the home experience or, or maybe it's not right. It's whatever you define it to be. And I think we, what we really wanted to tell is, you know, the place that you really embrace, that you feel the safest in, that you feel most comfortable in your skin, like that's that's where home is. And I think we wanted to spread a message of kind of acceptance and positivity and just really, you know, accepting, you know, and being happy with what we got as as, as something that we wanted to promote. I, I can't agree anymore with you because like, Americana, it, like you, like you had mentioned, I think for a lot of people, when, when you think about America, it's like baseball, hot dogs and, and that kind of thing or pecan pie or whatever. And my argument is why isn't there anything Asian derived? That's part of that American experience because, you know, we're embedded in the history of America as well. We've, we played a pretty, our community has played a very big part in shaping this country, you know, in my opinion, my humble opinion. So I'm glad you guys are owning up to it and saying, Hey, like, not Americana for, for us is this, right? And it, it's it's this amazing drink, but it's, it's obviously more than that. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, it seems like this, this drink, this lunar company that you guys have created is your vehicle to express where you guys are coming from, your roots, your origin story, but in a way that you can enjoy and share with others. I would say that like, you know, at the end of the day, right? The, the Asian American community, they made in the Asian American experience or more broadly the hyphenated experience, right? It's, it's been overlooked in America, you know, and there's, there haven't been any brands that have tried to, you know, serve our community, our niche, uh, and you know, try to look like who, who we are. And that's, that's a really big part of us. And I think, you know, we say that we're Asian American, um, we're an Asian American brand, and that's really intentional. Uh, I think a lot of other brands generally, the, the standard lingo is Asian inspired, but that's not really us. We're not Asian inspired. We are Asian American and that, and we are who we are. And a lot, part of that unapologeticness and standing up for who we are and our, our community, I think is that's like a core aspect of who we want to be as a brand is, is coming out there and saying to the world, Hey, you know, we are here and, and please hear us. Right. There's, you know, when you think about, for example, the brewing industry, you know, it's 98% uh, white and there's less than 2% like any like non-white and that to us you know there's a reason why this hasn't been done before uh and it's because there's no one like us uh who, who are in the industry and i think you know this is honestly like you ca- you captured it pretty well but this is really an encapsulation of of us and our shade of the asian american experience and what we want to communicate to everyone i am i for one i'm so glad that you two are the ones doing this because it could have been very easy for anyone that wasn't Asian American to come and come, come and do this and say, Oh, here are some Asian inspired. <laughs> this is an Asian inspired hard seltzer brand. Right. So the, the fact that you guys have, you guys have lived the experience of what it means to be Asian American, I think is, is very key and makes, that's what authenticity is at the end of the day. I think that's what makes your brand authentic in my opinion. Uh, I was just going to say that it's funny that there's people who have commented on our Instagram and they've been like, you know, like this, a few people were like, oh, we were trying to find if you guys were Asian American owned. And, you know, and they were kind of riffing off the same thing you were saying, which is like, you know, it would be a shame if this was not Asian American owned. Um, and, you know, so I just thought it was pretty funny. 
Yeah, which to me, Kevin, I don't know how what your like personal reaction was, but my personal reaction when I saw that is like, man, we have to say that like that's the world we live in. Like it, you know, like the, you know, people have been goofed, right? People have been goofed, or you know, what have you, frequently that like we as a community have trust issues, right? Like, and to me, that's like devastating, right? The fact that you know we have to literally like scream bloody murder and be like, yes, we're actually Asians and what have you. It's like. It's, you know, I'm a little, I was, I was a little disheartened. Right. And obviously no fault of anyone else, but the fact that like people have to double check because so many times, you know, people haven't really been that authentic about it to me, I think speaks volumes. Right. And, and I think that's something, at least a big lesson learned and a takeaway for me. When this episode comes out, it'll be one month to the day that you guys officially launched I would love to ask you guys, I know we talked a little bit about homebrewing and experimentation and digging through YouTube and Reddit. What were some other challenges that you guys faced? Obviously launching in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, the, the pandemic really did throw us for a loop uh, this year in terms of all the plans. You know, there's, we've had so many different versions of plans, but a lot of them have gone out the window given this, this kind of black swan event. You know, I think for us, you know, originally we had plan on launching and partnering with, you know, spots like Mission, right, Maru, Ichi Seller, Karaoke, Duet, K1. Like those were like some of our top accounts that we were going to go partner with. Uh, but they've been super impacted this year. And so we had to kind of like hit the drawing board and rethink our go-to-market strategy. Uh, so, you know, since we launched, we focused pretty heavily on direct-to-consumer. So we sell online, which is a big component of what we're trying to do. You know, you can order from the safety of your couch and buy a lunar uh, and get it delivered to your door. And yeah, that's, that was like probably the biggest kind of pivot. And the second thing is, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a trailer card uh, on our board that's launch party. And it's just in the later category, which is really sad to look at because we had, you know, we wanted to launch uh, in, in tandem with lunar new year, right? So many of the organizations and the communities, uh, in New York, you know, from TAP, NY, uh, Apex, right, Asian American Federation, etc. There's all of these Lunar New Year kind of parties that happen, and we thought it'd be a really fitting way for us to kind of come out into the world and partner and help sponsor a lot of these events um, for the community. But uh, alas, those you know parties of yesteryear are now super spreader events of now, so we definitely can have those for at least the time being. But it's going to stay on that uh, later card. Uh, for quite some time, it seems. We partnered uh, also with the Asian American Inter- International Film Festival 43 um, at, at launch as well. And you know, typically, you know, they, I think they, they get a whole host of uh, attendees, but also filmmakers and you know, folks in the, in the art and cinema world. And, and they have a big, you know, they have a, they have a fun time. They uh, host a couple of parties too in person typically, but Obviously, you know, they've had to pivot and had to go virtual. And that also meant that there's going to be no physical uh, mingling and networking and parties uh, that we could be a part of either. So, yeah, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, this will be, as Kevin said, something of the past very soon. But until then, you know, we'll have to we'll also get crafty and figure something out like we have been. In terms of figuring things out, how how are you guys getting these contacts? And um, like I said, you guys followed me out of nowhere. How are you? How are you, how are you doing this? I'm so curious about your strategy right now, and your, how are you getting into accounts? Like, I, I want to hear a little bit more about that. So there's a couple of angles to it, and I think at the end of the day, the, the theme is you know we're reaching out to the folks 
you know, in the grassroots community and just kind of working our way up, if you will. And we're doing that a couple of different ways, right? For example, um, you know, we, we, ha- we know a bunch of folks uh, in the restaurant industry uh, that, that we, you know, that are in our network. So as Kevin mentioned, that was always going to be one of our primary uh, channels, if you will. And we've been kind of bouncing the idea off of them for a while now. And they're like, oh man, when are you guys coming out? So there's already, you know, already been some interest check, if you will, on the restaurant and the food scene to a degree. And I think that's how we found you uh, to answer your question, Arnold, because we know uh, you had done, you know, the With a Warm Welcome, uh, you know, I guess podcast and coverage earlier with some of the restaurants that are in our network. But so, so that's one angle. And I think Kevin mentioned earlier also as well, some of the more kind of social organizations or nonprofit orgs, for example, TAP or Taiwanese American Professionals of New York is one, a big one. Uh, and, and, and organizations like Apex and uh, Welcome to Chinatown uh, and, and all those types of orgs as well. And I think a lot of it was also maybe maybe we were foolishly uh, bold, but a lot of it was also we were gambling on the fact that, or we you know we yeah we were gambling or banking on the fact that we really thought that people would be you know relieved right not even excited like relieved to like hear about actual Asian American uh, alcohol brand you know with Asian flavors that are actually done right, no artificial flavoring and all that good stuff and act, using actual fruit, founded and run and, and all that by actual Asian Americans, you know, we felt really ambitious that if we can really tell that story right, that everyone's going to be like, oh my God, this is awesome. Like, this is what we didn't know we needed, but we need now. Um, and I think and I think so far I'm, I'm crossing my fingers and knocking on wood here. You know, we obviously can't see because we're not in person, but that's pretty much a, a big theme of the feedback that we've been getting thus far. And people are excited, tell, you know, their friends and whatnot about us, right? For example, we have, uh, we, we have a, a, let's call it a fan. Uh, I believe her name is Becky out in Arkansas, who like used to live in New York, but like moved out to like settle down and whatnot. And she like months before we launched, like found out about us and was like literally tagging like everyone under the sun that she knows about. And obviously, incredibly thankful. Thankful. So, Becky, if you're listening, shouts. Uh, but also, but yeah, I think I think that's just an in microcosm or a good example of like the community being excited about something like this. And we hope we're not the last, right? And we know there's a whole host of other brands that are out there, um, you know, CPG or no, uh, Asian founded or POC founded organizations. So we really hope that we're not the last and we'll see more of them. And I think the way we see it is, you know, Kevin uses this phrase all the time, which is, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. And we're, we actually, you know, are really excited to be able to, you know, potentially collab or crossover uh, with other brands and, and, and organizations to, to really, really make this an awesome deal for everyone. I wanted to tack on and just say one quick thing, which is, you know, on our, on our can, on the label, right. We say that, you know, Lunar actively supports AAPI causes because we didn't get here by ourselves, you know, and I, that's something that is so core to, to us as a brand and us as individuals as well, that we are by the community for the community, right? You know, as a brand, you know, when we think about authenticity, which Sean has talked about, for a brand that is authentic, this community, the element of community is really, really important. Um, when you think about some of the other DSC brands out there, you know, away travel or what have you, you know, they don't necessarily have that same element of authenticity. And so 
their primary strategies are going to be, you know, paid media, right? Your standard, you know, write press articles, right? Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's the standard DSC playbook of yesteryear. Um, but I think this is, you know, I think one thing that we, you know, we're trying to do here is the new age of authentic brands and helping show that like the, the, the playbook for uh, growing an authentic brand isn't by throwing millions of dollars at Facebook. Um, it's, it's about caring for the communities that we're a part of. And we think that that will pay dividends in the long run. I would love to talk about how you decided on Yuzu to be, to be the first flavor you launched. I think publicly and on your website, you've listed a few other flavors um, that are coming soon. Uh, so I would love to spend some time on that and how you guys kind of came across those, the flavor profiles. You know, we, we first started with a whole host of I, just random fruit ideas or flavor ideas. But I think the probably the biggest limiting factor was just like availability of ingredients or, 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 or you know, fruits that we can test with here before we even go zero to 60 and go into production. So, you know, we spent, you know, we, we probably must have hit half, if not more of the Asian grocery stores, the the Dino Booze, the Sunrise Marts, the H Marts, and what have you, you know, in either Manhattan or, or in Flushing. Just like literally if there is a fruit or some ingredient or some whatever that we feel like we could probably test it as a potential flavor is like we were throwing it all in the cart. Um, so, 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 so that's kind of how we started. And then we started dialing in like, okay, would this flavor profile work? And we started learning too as well, right? It's like, oh, um, lychee, for example, is a little was a little bit trickier to dial in just because it's a little bit more of a delicate flavor, but then you know the yuzu we happen to find uh, a, a juice slash extract um, that actually just kind of worked fairly well uh, with the alcohol that we brewed, and I think a lot of it was just the citrusy and the floral notes that you talked about at the top of the hour there, Arnold. Um, so we, it was really we felt the most confident about it. Um, and not to mention, we, we when we flavor tested it, and where we felt like it wasn't going to risk our friends' lives, and we were asking our friends to try it, we were also getting really, really positive reactions too. So a lot of it was just uh, practicality being the driving force. But you know, we tried to at least cast a wide net to see what we can do, and then try to will it down to to the practical. And not to mention, I guess the last thing is like Yuzu is also a fairly trendy and you know popular or at least something that's recognizable to the mass audience so that ended up being a bonus uh but 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 yeah for, so for a variety of reasons we kind of ended up on yuzu as a first the last topic for for us i i know you both have a day job which is insane i don't know how you guys are doing it but what's next? Like, how do you decide there's always, there's going to be a tipping point, right? There's going to be a tipping point where like, all right, we have, we, we, we have to devote all of our time and energy now into building. This is how do you, how do you determine that? And also, um, when can we expect those flavors? <laughs> you snuck that one in and ended that question, eh? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's hit that one first. So we're super excited, uh, later in November. So probably the third or fourth week in November, uh, we'll be launching our lychee flavor, so we're super excited for that. I believe just last week we were uh, we were just dialing in and finalizing a production, so fingers crossed, and we're super excited to launch it in a few weeks. But yeah, that's the immediate plan. You know, both Sean and I we are working day jobs. Uh, I would say Sean is a superhuman. Uh, you know, I think for me, I'm definitely uh, I would say 
focusing a lot more time on lunar during the day. Whereas for Sean, it's a lot of nighttime, uh, late nights. So at some point, it's not going to make sense for us to be doing, you know, double duty. Uh, we are probably rapidly approaching that as given how busy we are and how, uh, how amazing the reception so far has been. Uh, but yeah, it's something that we talk about quite frequently. So we're still figuring things out. You know, this is uh, definitely a fluid kind of like development in general. But yeah, we're super excited for what's uh, coming next with lychee and eventually a third winter flavor, hopefully in sometime in January. Uh, but yeah. Awesome. Sean, how do you do it? <laughs> you know, every day is an adventure. Let's just put it that way. You know, some days, some days, you know, uh, I, I make it out to the gym and I get, I flirt with death and come back feeling more alive than ever. Uh, some days I can barely roll out of bed uh, with, you know, consciously. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> all jokes aside, um, I think it just really just comes down to trying to prioritize my time and try and try and do what I can and try and find an, an operating system, so to speak for myself that works. Um, and to be fair, I'm still figuring that out. Uh, some days, uh, and it also depends on where we are too. Some some tasks I could, you know, do as a night owl at 2am or what have you, but certain things like, you know, this podcast, for example, you know, requires me to do it in the middle of the day as well. So it's really just a juggling act, a balancing act, uh, a little tap dance here and there. Uh, so it's, it's just, you know, take it one day at a time or one week at a time. And next thing you know, here we are almost at the end of 2020. You guys are both super inspirational. I mean, it, it's, it's a crazy time, but for you both to just kind of you know, go ahead and still launch this company out of everything that is happening right now. But you know what? It, it's much needed. I think it's it's coming at a time where where we we need this. We any resemblance of community, right? Where we feel like there's a, a greater purpose, or there's people that are like us, or sharing the same experiences and struggles. I think that's that's so important right now more than ever. Again, I applaud you guys for for coming out with this product. I hope that everyone has a chance to try it. And again, I, and I guess I'll let you guys speak on this. Where can people try your product right now if they wanted to? I wanted to say first that we're just happy to be here. You know, both Sean and I have been sitting and marinating on this idea since early 2019. And, you know, a year and like eight months later, we finally launched. And this is, you know, it was significantly delayed, I'll say. Our plans were you know, revised a lot of times. And both of us are kind of just sitting there like, you know, we've got this like, you know, we're so ready to tell the world, but we, we just can't yet because of X, Y, Z, whether it's licensing or pandemic or all like production issues, you know? And so we're just glad to be here. Um, and we're really, really thankful that people have been so excited uh, by what we've put out. Um, but yeah, in terms of where you can purchase, we are primarily sold online. So you can buy Lunar from our website, uh, drakelunar.com. We ship to anywhere within New York state. Uh, and then in the city, so far, we're available at a few select restaurants. So 886 run by Eric, Saigon Social run by Helen, D&D run by Kim and Tuan, Suzume run by Jill. And coming very, very soon, uh, you know, or maybe uh, this would already have happened by the time the podcast comes out, we will be at Madame Vo by Yen and Jimmy and Ho Foods by, by Rich. And in terms of grocery stores, we are recently, we launched at Food Cellar Court Square. That's been super exciting. And also uh, exclusive news uh, for you and for uh, with warm welcome uh, listeners, uh, we will be live at H Mart East Village. Uh, so whoop, whoop, 
super exciting. Big week for us. Huge thanks to Sean and Kevin uh, for being on the show and for sharing your journey thus far. <laughs> I know it's an year and a half in the making, but it's been a crazy month, it looks like, for the two of you. You guys have a lot of resilience, super inspired by just how how you're taking the bull by its horn. And I've seen it firsthand, the excitement and the ripple effect in the Asian American community. So if you're listening and you haven't tried it, definitely visit their website, drinkmooner.com. That's their Instagram handle as well. And I would give them a follow, give it a try. They're great guys and the product is pretty good too. So that's it for today. I hope everyone has a happy, safe weekend and I'll see you next time. Thanks.